Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, I was doing a lot better every time the Oilers got a lead, and then they just pissed it away, Bruce. Man, did they ever. They just, the Wild outworked them, outpinched them. I had better strategy. I love that pinch. I love that full court, full ice pressure that the Wild put on constantly. I wish the Oilers were a little bit more aggressive on that. And they beat them 5-3, a much-deserved, well-deserved win by the Wild. And Bruce, um, this is a hat. Who, who mentioned this at Low Tide's blog, this statistic, but... Um, who who was it? Do you recall? Oh, I can't recall which commenter it was in Low Tide's comment <clears> section <throat> today, but I looked it up and uh, I was going to make it my number. But we can talk about it now if you prefer. Oh well, let's we'll just go with your number. What is your number, Bruce? Because we're, oh, we're going to start two, with my number. <laughs> well, this is our two two good things, two bad things, and since it was a horrible loss, we're going to go with two bad things each in two numbers podcast. And because I I didn't know you that was going to be your number, but I brought it up. So what what is your number, Bruce? Uh, my number is uh, 15 and 3, which is Minnesota Wild's record in Edmonton during the decade 2010 to 2020. Wretched. Wretched. 15 and 3. Uh, and that's with the Oilers having won a couple of the more recent games, but there was an eight game Wild winning streak in there and a five game Wild winning streak. <sighs> And, you know, we saw this exact same game last year, October 30th. Uh, I remembered the game, but I looked up the details, but I was right. Oilers led 1-0, 2-1, 3-2, couldn't hold any of the leads. Minnesota got the lead once and held it all the way to the end of the game, and this exact same thing happened tonight. It was, it was, uh, the game wasn't half over, and I just couldn't get that game out of my mind. I'm saying that we just can't seem to shake these guys off and they just didn't have the answers the Oilers tonight and uh, depleted lineup you know I mean there's some there's some legitimacy and uh, but Minnesota took six points in the season series this year and Edmonton got zero so yeah you know that deplete- three wasted games that depleted lineup had been playing pretty well with McDavid out but they they got caved tonight really the only players I, I mean I thought Caleb Jones was okay he had a few couple bad moments including that breakaway from Parise uh, late in the second. Mm-hmm. But the only good players on the Oilers, Bruce, were that top unit, which which generally were, you know, it was the dynamite line, Drysaddle, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins. And I'm going with the dynamite line because that's what most people seem to favor. Um, and, and, it, and it has, a you know, it makes a certain, certain amount of sense, and my wife suggested it. Um, uh, other than that, and Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear, Bruce, this was a wretched game for most of the Oilers. I mean, just just hardly anyone had a decent game or most, most players had poor games other than that top group who, who were utter, utterly outstanding. I mean, they were, they were, well, it's a bit strong. They, I had them as great games. I gave them all eights, each player on the top line and eight. Mm-hmm. And, um, all right. My good thing, Bruce, uh, is Leon Dreisaitl's, um, passing backhand passing. He must've made 10 backhand passes that game and right t- tape to tape. And five of them were outstanding. I mean, he set up Nurse. I believe they were both those were backhand passes, were they? Yeah, they were both two backhand passes to Nurse. I mean, it was in the third period that, you know, that was the order's best chance to come back and score. 
because they can't run a power play right now for the life of them. Um, but Drysdale's backhand passing was it's 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 amazing, but he seems to be getting more and more confident with it as this year goes on, and especially as he's found chemistry on the dynamite line with Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins. Um, he's he's just throwing it all the time, looking for it. he throws it as well as as almost any other player throws a forehand pass in the NHL, and it's amazing to behold. And it's a what a what a weapon. It's the you know, along with his vision, obviously, it's the, uh, the one skill which I think kind of separates him from the pack. Yeah, it it, it really is a standout skill, and I, I noticed it the very first game I saw him play in junior. Went down to Red Deer for that sudden death play-in game that uh, his draft year, and, and I was came away just totally impressed with Leon. I wrote a glowing review of him, and which. His backhand passing was very high on the list of attributes, which was a long list, even at 18 years old. And Bruce, even that fluke goal that he got <laughs> was a result of a backhand pass. But the only reason it went in is because he fired that pass. It was so hard. Like yeah. if he if he hadn't fired that so hard, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have gone in. But he just zinged it like he always does and popped right off the guy's skate and the goalie had no chance. So again, it was it was the residue of skill. Luck is the residue of skill is, I think, of Vince Lombardi saying maybe it's hard work is a, maybe, I don't know, something like that. Um, <laughs> the residue of hard work. I think that's right. Luck is. The residue of hard work. Yeah. But I've also heard it said the other way that it's, yeah, uh, probably. luck is the residue of skill. Um, anyway, that's what that there are many was. many truisms out there, and some of them are even true. Indeed. <laughs> All right. You're a good thing. Well, I'm going to go specifically with the second Oilers goal. I love that goal. It was a, a very nice play by all three of the guys who've already singled out together with uh, uh, Yamamoto playing give and go with Dreisaitl coming up the right wing boards. But when Leon uh, uh, dished it back off to uh, to Yamamoto on the right wing, uh, what Dreisaitl did was he drove hard up the middle of the ice and the defenseman had to go with him. And that opened the passing lane, and Yamamoto whooped right across the passing lane, right to Nuge, and no mistake, he just perfect shot just inside the post, uh, which is something he was able to do in the first period, and it seemed like the whole team was unable to hit the net uh, in the second and third period from from good positions, but Nuge sure buried that shot, and it was, it was a very pretty play by all three guys. But the drive to the net was what made the opened the lane and made the... Uh, uh, made the key pass possible. So real good teamwork from the three players together there. It just looked like Nuge was going to get that third goal. They only have him with two missed shots, but I, th- I think he missed more than that, Bruce. He had so many good looks, so many good chances. Maybe some of them are blocked, but um, to score. And he just, you know, he just couldn't get that that third mm-hmm. <laughs> that third goal. Well, they, they had four looks between the circles in the second period, and every one of them <laughs> Not even a shot on net. Yeah, frustrating. So, yeah, drive you nuts. I mean, the odd one's going to happen. I mean, you know they're shooting for small spaces. But when you get four, you got to have at least one of them has got to be on the target, for goodness sake. Um, are we on to, what are we on to now? Your good thing? That was no, my we had good your thing. Good, we had your second good thing. Sorry, yeah, sorry. We we're just still talking about the dry saddle line, so I thought it was still my good thing. Your, uh, what is your, let's go to your first bad thing. Well, I'm going to go with Oilers' decision-making. 
And, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't take notes tonight, and I'm going to review the scoring chances later. I was kind of vegging out and watching this game, to tell you the truth, because it was, uh, it's been a tough week. Uh, anyway, uh, it was, um, uh, there was just too many decisions that made no sense. And uh, one that really grabbed me, and you could hear Drew Remenda gasp, and they never showed a replay or anything, but I went back and I watched a couple times. The, the one delayed penalty where they actually called a penalty, which was an event, uh, where uh, uh, Koskinen goes to the bench and the Oilers are circling around for the second time trying to get the puck up the ice to the Minnesota <laughs> end. And they pass the puck up to the far blue line to Jujar Kara, and he rifles a one-touch pass back to his own right defenseman who thankfully intercepts the shot at the Edmonton's empty net. I mean, hello. I mean, there's a thing called risk management in hockey. And what he tried there, there was about a 1 in 10 chance of a catastrophic ending to that. Like, think, man. That was Carol, wasn't it? I didn't know who it was. I went back and I... The angle wasn't great, but it was a left shot. And Carol was by a process of elimination because I counted, counted for all the other guys. And it was, I mean, the camera was only on him for a second. He thought, I'll make this quick pass back to my defenseman. And friggin' net is wide open behind him, right? And the defenseman's not necessarily expecting that pass. It's not a usual kind of play. Anyway, that was one. Uh, Caleb Jones allowing a guy to get behind him for a clear breakaway with three seconds left in the period. I mean, you just cannot, that, you can't have that happen. You cannot yeah, have that happen. You can't have that happen. Uh, Caleb Jones had another one in the first period where he stepped up to the offensive blue line and got beat. So they broke out two on two and then he let his man get behind him on the two on two and he wound up alone in front of the net when the inevitable good pass came through. Uh, I don't want to single Caleb Jones, but he did have two two of them. And there there was... I mean, Adam Larson, Adam Larson, man. Oh, man. Bruce. Yeah, that, that play. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, on he's going to be, my, he's gonna the... be my, my other bad thing. So All I'll right, get into so more detail into on, that, on that there. Okay, how about uh, Jason's but... penalty in the third? Come on, man. Yeah. Don't get your yeah. stick in there. Yeah, I thought the guy kind of grabbed a stick too. It was kind of iffy, but it was, I, I got to say, the players really didn't have any idea what the refs were going to call after Ryan Suter got the natural hat trick. In about 15 seconds on the first period, when he tripped Nugent Hopkins, cross-checked Yamamoto, and cross-checked Drysaddle to the ice, all three, to me, clear fouls, each a clear foul. Collectively, you got to call at least one of them. Three in a row, and the refs said, well, nothing to see here. And ah. this after the last game, if somebody sneezed out there, it was two minutes in the penalty box. And you wonder, you know, I mean, the NHL, like, how do the players know what they're going to get from one night to the next? It's just... Anyway, not to mention Carson Soucy's sneaky, dirty elbow on Josh Archibald, which could be suspendable. I mean, I don't know what's going to come of that, but that was a dirt that looked to me like a really dirty play. Archibald came back with a bubble on and, uh, you know, that he's got some kind of injury. He wasn't clearly cut. So you wanted a cheekbone or something like that. He really took a shot there and he came back and he gave it the old college try. But uh, 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 it was a half bubble off plum. And I think the... uh, uh, that elbow probably was uh, uh, part of the cause there. So, All right, Bruce, my bad thing, my first bad thing will be, I thought William Loggison uh, had a rookie kind of game. Mm-hmm. He's been, He uh, had his strongest game last game, but this yep. game, man, um, the first goal against his read, 
there, you know, the, the, the rebound was kind of to the side of the net. It wasn't great because it was an outside shot, but you're kind of supposed to put the shot puck to the outside if you're the goalie on a, on a point shot, you know, if you can't smother it. And so it went to the side. And if Lagerson had only been quick to the read, quick on his feet, but he was slow on both, and Fiala cruised right into the slot and scored. Lagerson's got to make that play if he wants to be an NHLer. Yeah. And um, then uh, what did I see? Um, so I'm just reading my. I've already posted the game grades here. Um, oh yeah. Then there was a play in the the. Uh, I think it was the second goal, the second wild goal by Susie. Um, the puck kind of goes in the orders end, and Lagerson's for some reason he's heading back slowly the whole time. I'm thinking it's rookie. Go back as fast as you can. He's been on an offensive floor. I'm thinking, rookie, go back as fast as you can to your own zone and cover someone. And he never really did get back fast. And when the puck came around the boards, he was really slow and out of position getting to, to Matt Zuccarello on the boards, who passed it over to Susie, who scored on a screenshot. Um, Josh Archibald was screening the goalie on that one. And I just had Lagerson again. Like, you're just uh-huh. not. Get on those guys if you want to stay in the yeah. NHL. This is the NHL. You can't give guys, you can't give Matt Zuccarello time and space to make a pass. And, and you've, and you've got to read the play quick. You've got to mm-hmm. process it quickly. You've got to be on that man. Even if mm-hmm. it's not, even if it's over at the boards and it's not readily apparent, that's your man. You've got to figure it out that he is your man. Cause it was your guy and stop that pass. So William Lagerson, not as a learning, a learning experience. Hopefully we'll, we'll, he spent we'll some of that, that game. Hopefully he spent some of the learning time uh, watching Jonas Brodeen build a brick wall uh, in the left face-off circle for Minnesota. Holy crap, that guy blocked. What did he get tonight? Uh, seven blocked shots, wow. and I think five of them in the first period, and they just couldn't get anything, and, and passed the same way. He was just getting a stick on any on everything. Yeah. And Minnesota was, I mean, here, here are the shots. Uh, 26 for Edmonton, 26 uh, shots on that, 26 shots that were blocked by Minnesota. At the other end, 39 shots on net, 13 that were blocked. So they were getting three out of four through and on net. Uh, you know, it didn't miss the net. And the Oilers, two out of four. Like a huge, huge difference. That's another measure of the desperation of the two teams. One team mm-hmm. was much more determined to win that game tonight. Yeah. It was absolutely um, <laughs> determined to win it. Um, Bruce, do you have another bad thing? Larson. Oh, yeah, Adam Larson. Yeah. Well, man, oh, man. Uh, and I'll just go back to the third period. I wasn't thrilled with uh, with his game all night. I thought he and Jones were struggling behind their own blue line. Well, I actually will go back because the, uh, uh, the 3-3 goal happened after an interminable shift in Edmonton's end that seemed to last about two minutes where nobody could make a single play to win a battle and clear the puck. And that included Adam Larson, who had one good chance, and he just banked it off the boards right to the point man like he was passing it to him. And eventually, Terrible. that was the one where the puck got deflected over and Sturgeon made the perfect shot off the post and in uh, after, you know, a little bit of a broken play on the pass. But the whole play was broken from an Edmonton perspective. They couldn't do one thing right. No. That was a play where you needed the veteran Larson to make a good veteran play and eat the puck somewhere or finish some guy off and break the cycle or even ice the freaking thing. And you had a chance to gasp your breath for 15 seconds. That didn't happen. Then in the third period early, there was a shift where they were under pressure for another minute, it seemed like. 
And finally they got it out and Larson came out and he got about five feet on the wrong side of center and he iced it. And back it comes again. <laughs> and then there's a face-off in Edmonton's territory, lost face-off. And it goes around, they get two or three whacks out, and finally Larson slashes the guy, and he goes in the penalty box. Then they get a penalty in the first, like, minute and 59 of the power play. The puck was in Edmonton's end. So it was in Edmonton's end for, like, three minutes straight, with the only exception being the time Larson got it out and, and needlessly iced it. Again, that's a play I criticize Colby Cave for, for a particularly egregious example of that. But this one, he just had to take one more step and get to center, and then everybody can change. And instead, they're out there gasping while Minnesota sends their first line over the boards. And then, of course, we can hardly let the night slide by without mention of the game winner where Spurgeon, again, takes a backhand shot from a low angle that Koskinen has got covered until Larson decides he needs to take a whack at the puck as it goes by and makes a perfect deflection into the little gap off the short side post and in. And, you know... Defensemen swing at pucks all the time, and they get pieces of pucks, and sometimes it does good, but you want to block the dangerous shots. On that shot, Koskinen's going to make that save 1,000 times in a row, unless somebody deflects it on the way into him, and that's what Larson did there. And uh, Was it even going on net? I don't even know if Yeah, I think so, but Koskinen had it covered. It only changed direction by about two inches, but it just went into this little crack that... The angle wouldn't have been there if the puck had been coming straight at him, but because it was tipped part way in, it changed the angle of the puck and it found this crevice. And, you know, I mean, you could probably say Koskinen didn't seal the post, but just Larson had no reason to to do what he did. And, and I wound up saying that too many times tonight. It's not like he didn't compete hard, because of course he did, but his some of his decision-makings and his execution just was... Uh, was just not on par. <clears throat> Excuse me. My bad. My second bad thing is Riley Shan. I was going to pick on Archibald as well, but he got that elbow and that kind of threw him off. So I'll let up on Archibald. But uh, <clears throat> Shea and Bruce was minus three mm-hmm. uh, on the night. Goals plus minus. He had just one mm-hmm. shot, no hits. And he's been playing great. in the, Since in January and February, he's been playing great. This is his worst game in that entire period. He's been playing like a, you know, like a third line center, like almost like a second line center. He's been oh, so strong. I've just really been, been the well. second line since uh, McDavid went out. I'd say the Shane line is the second line. <coughs> exactly. Sad but, state of affairs, but it's true. <laughs> They've been okay, but tonight, mm-hmm. man, yes. he just just is not getting it done. In the first period, there was a rush where he was going in, and there was a two on one. And if you had just seen the guy in the slot, but he took this wild backhand instead of trying to. I think it might have been Benson coming in. Um, and uh, like on the, on the winning goal, both he and Archibald let that pass right through them over to, over to Spurgeon way over wherever the heck he was there, uh, on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, it was just, he just, it was, that was kind of, he was just like that short for making plays all night long, but in the NHL, that short is way too far. And, um, he just, I, I, I thought it was a very weak game on his part and, um, a week game from all the role players. Bruce, what is your, oh, you've already done your number. So yeah, yeah I'll just well, quickly go to my number then. Okay. Uh, the orders had nine grade eight chances. Seven of them were from the dynamite line. Mm-hmm. So Leon Dreisaitl had seven major contributions to grade eight chances. Yeah. So, good. He game. only had one shot, official shot on net. And I presumably that was the fluky one. 
uh, and he had five shots that were blocked. Because uh, Minnesota was certainly keying on him, but he was passing uh, up a storm and just needed a little bit more finishing touch. So, yeah. Yeah, the first line, other than the empty net goal, they were all plus three. They all wound up plus two. And the Oilers lost basically 4-3. And uh, Archibald minus three, Kara minus three, Shea minus three, Benson minus three. So the depth, depth lines got crushed. Um, yeah, not at all close to good. Very bad, rotten. So, Bruce, um, listen, I just want to give you my condolences on the air here. I, oh. uh so, because your cat has been part of the podcast, and you yes, mentioned you're feeling down. Uh, your cat passed away this week, and I'm really sorry to hear that. And I know that we all, when we have pets in our life, they're very special to us. So, uh, my condolences on that. Yeah, thanks, David. It was actually uh, one of our listeners, original Posar, uh, he picked up. He said, I thought you'd sound a little down on the podcast. I thought you'd be excited after that game. And, you know, during the podcast, she was, she was near the end and about... 20 minutes after the podcast ended uh, was when she <coughs> was when she passed. And then, of course, game grades came after that. And then it was kind of a, a schmozzle of a night. And I'm, I've been discombobulated ever since. It's uh, it's a tough loss. She was, we had a very, very close bond. And, uh, you know, when a bond is snapped, it's got quite a recoil to it. And I've been dealing with some of that this last uh 48 hours but uh th- thanks for that i got wonderful i posted a one tweet on it and it got like 800 likes and almost 200 responses from people and thank you all for that that's uh that's one of the good things about uh twitter is that uh people will support one another at least in certain life situations that many of us have gone through so appreciate that all right and thanks for talking tonight bruce yeah thanks for listening everyone And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.